Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up? And we are joined again by Mr. Pierce Moore. What's up, guys? And we're all in person this time. Yeah. Because my service sucks. Yeah. You're not going to get Pierce. <laughs> 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 well, I went over to my neighbor's house the last time to see if I could use their Wi-Fi, but they're Amish, so <laughs> didn't work out very well. I didn't know Luke lived that close to you. <laughs> Love you. His cousin. Uh, his cousin. Copy, copy. This is going to be a good one. So we got uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. We are transitioning. But first. But first. Cheers. 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 Hypothetical cheers. Yes, across the table. All right, so <clears throat> let's talk about your turkey season. Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to so make Chris, you bleep so much. Chris is uh, Chris is sitting at a table with uh, in person with two people who have tagged out. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, you ever heard that song? Forgot about Dre. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> it was a tough turkey season <clears throat> for me. Um, it seemed like when anything could go wrong, it did. And a lot of times, maybe like a year from now, I'll be laughing about it. Or like three years or something. But uh, some very <laughs> weird things happened. Uh, so let's see. Uh, some of you may have seen the video I posted uh, Pierce had dropped back calling, and these birds uh, were on public land, third week, and um, these birds come in quicker than I expected, and they, I kept trying to point my gun where the gobbles were coming from, and then they came from a different direction, and the second, they, they had already picked me off before I even moved, and then when I moved, they weren't having it, so... Um, but you guys have heard that story. So we had that. Uh, Luke called a bird. So I, I couldn't call it a call-in, but, I mean, he made an appearance at 70 or 80 yards, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, I I think because of the way the sun had switched positions on us, it hit on, like, my GoPro and uh, phone and the gooseneck for the GoPro, yeah. and I think he caught some of that stuff. Old spooky. Old spooky. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was pretty much the theme of my my season. Um, and then, bless Pierce's heart, he gets up two days in a row on a weekday when he could be out making money, and we go hit some public. And the first day, 
we were kind of struggling. We had some gobble, and then everything shut up, and then he got this hen going, and boy, she was she was pissed off. That was right after someone shot. Yeah, yeah, that was not what, really? what do you think, 20, 30 minutes? Yeah, someone, someone shot, and we were like, oh, wow. Well, I guess that, that bird's, yeah. he's gone. Toast. So <laughs> we start working in a different direction, and this hen fire, this hen got fired up, oh. and I called her in. What she ended up what? She was probably thirty yards in front of me, just but open timber. There were t- some toms fired it. They fired off probably a hundred to hundred fifty yards behind her. Yep. And I was like, well, I'll just get nasty with her. And yep. She should possibly drag them right in. Well, that that wasn't the case. She came right in. She read the script, and they stayed. They stayed high, which you get to the last week of season, and they they're kind of done. Yeah. You've, you've got to do everything in your power just to fire them up to the point to where they they think, oh my gosh, there's still a hen that wants to breed. The but, fact that they gobbled like they did was mm-hmm. pretty pretty impressive. And I, man, I I kick myself and kick myself for like the mistakes and all that, but at the same rate, I just don't I feel like the only real mistake that I made was not camoing my filming accessories, honestly. Like I couldn't have positioned myself on those birds better because right. of the situation. And then that hen came in and I'm, I mean, we're stuck. She was so close. Pierce was even afraid to drop back. Jeez. And so, I mean, she's 60 yards away or so, you know, maybe 70, but we, yeah. you don't know where they're at. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't see her, but I was like, and I ha- only had to go, what, maybe 10 yards just to get on the, other side of this knoll yeah so i just stayed as low as i could and trying to stay in line with this big tree and straight to that point and then from there i could get up enough to where i could get some distance away from her yeah but uh so she's firing off and then the birds fire up and i you'll see it in a video that i'm about to release this weekend it's uh I got pretty excited. <laughs> we thought the day was pretty much over. Yeah, you hear and a boom. You hear a boom, and you're only one set of birds gobbling. Yeah, in the four, at the end of the fourth week, yeah. you hear boom, and you're like, yeah, we'll just start working our way back to the truck now. <laughs> and uh, Go on a bird drive. Dude, they started, they started firing off at her, and I thought, this is how it's going to end right here. Pierce has got her fired up. And she, I mean, she's talking mm-hmm. big time. And so I thought, they're going to come in and see if anybody's DTF, basically. Yeah. And they're going to get shot because I had the 12-gauge that day. Nice. <laughs> so um, they never came in. And then the hen came to 30 yards in open timber. And finally, you know, she comes right to me. Pierce is working to my right. And I'm like, okay little idiot go to the right go to him don't come to no and she just keeps coming closer and closer and then comes up to the top of that hill throws the head up she stood real still there for about 30 seconds or so and then Uh, 
It's you worse little, than a doe blowing. You little blinch. <laughs> so, it really is. It's a terrible sound. Um, heard it a lot this year. <laughs> uh, so, she moseys off, and the second she kind of gets out of sight, and I almost thought, I didn't want to be too aggressive, but I thought, I ought to just jump up and cut her out because she was headed back towards the gobblers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, just freaking jump up and get in between them so she can't go back and lead them off or something. Mm-hmm. But I thought, what you know, they had kind of gotten a little quiet. And I thought, my luck, I'll do that. And then see two redheads take off running. Yeah. And that's not what we want to do after what's happened. So Pierce came back. And then we get them fired right up. And they're gobbling at quite a bit, just about everything he's throwing at them. Yeah. Well, it was so every series I'll say, but it was certain calls, uh, pitches or whatever that right. would really set them off, like the, the like double notes or like yeah, the, when you the off the, the off key notes the off key notes where you'd yeah. switch from like uh, I guess you'd call it like a cluck to a um, like a yelp. Yeah, it'd be like. And at the end of those, yeah. <laughs> so, um, hindsight's always twenty twenty two. I think when those birds are working away, yeah, in a certain direction, we need to, yeah, we need to start looping. Yep, looping and going to try to cut them off before. I agree, but. Let me tell you a story about how that might not work. (laughs) (laughs) So those birds do that on that day, and you just heard what the master said. So we go set up. We've got four turkeys, one of which I hooted, and it was very interesting, too, because in my opinion, Pierce has a better-sounding hoot owl than me. It is extremely realistic. I pretty much just scream at the birds and they'll like, if we're having problems getting them to gobble, I do it and they gobble. Well, on two occasions, we found birds we didn't know existed where, uh, the, that day, uh, when we were close to the private property there, two got, were gobbling pretty good on the private and all of a sudden, what, 60, 70 yards away to fire off one single time. That was it. And, you know, you had... And you're like, oh, there's birds everywhere now. Even though, you know, it's two yeah. times a two. Yeah. But that next morning, we're working on this gobbler, and we think we've got one. And we're like, man, he's... This is weird, because he seemed like he was over there, but now he's over here. Well, we had two... And they weren't both gobbling together or anything. One would gobble a couple times and then the other and kind of throw you. Mm -hmm. Well, we get to where we're kind of like, okay, let's check them one more time. Because we think we're probably, I don't know, 150, 175-ish. We're in the ballpark of where we need to get real stealthy and think about where we want to set up. I threw a hoot owl out and 40, 35, 40 yards away. A, a turkey gobbles and we both you know like oh damn <laughs> what in the heck and so pierce drops back i set up and pierce was gone for 
two and a half minutes, and it flew down and started alarm putting, and it yeah. clearly seen us. And then stuff gets quiet. Well, then this bird starts firing up. And and the cool thing, man, I don't mean to like keep blowing him up or anything, but I hope somebody's got a buddy like I got because hearing him behind you walk around, it's just different than setting up together and calling. Right. When you got somebody walking around that sounds like that behind you, it's it's different than any turkey experience you've ever had. It mm-hmm. really is. And even he said, you know, it's there's a difference between sitting there calling, or in his case, calling, and uh, having somebody drop back because you can get aggressive, you're moving, and they can hear that, and I mm-hmm. think that excites them. They hear those branches breaking and the twigs and the leaves and everything, and it's just different. And then they hear, you know, not only the different changes, but – they can I can tell when Pierce pitches it off in a different direction, which hens that's the yeah. the trademark of a hen. She's trying to get somebody to come into her, so um but that bird he started firing up and his buddy I have to believe it was the one that was putting. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't, then maybe there's more birds there than we thought, but um they both started firing off, so Pierce is back there, I'm going to say it was probably 20 or 30 minutes, and I'd already told everybody, I'm going to sneak up on a damn turkey tomorrow because I know what's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna stay high, and generally you get stuck low, whatever. You're not in position. They're pretty good at positioning themselves. Mm-hmm. So these birds are working this ridge to my left, our left. I have that ridge... Then I have a creek on my left that's decently sizable, and I'm on the edge of a cedar thicket. And I thought, well, anything I know about a turkey, he's not going to come downhill to where he can already (laughs) see across the creek that he can see across already and head into the damn cedar thicket. So you'd better get your ass up on that hill because they were getting closer, Uh and I thought, all you got to do is get up close to the top of that hill. They're going to come over here and they're going to scream at him. And they're going to, I'm not going to say a word or anything. And they're going to get blasted in the face. One of them is. And wouldn't you know it, those things <laughs> went down the hill and across the creek right to Pierce. And <laughs> after that, I just said, whatever. <laughs> So, I, and man, I it's bad luck, but at the same rate, you know, he sounds like a freaking hen. I I really they're gonna think go they're gonna go to what they think is uh, what they think is a hen. They do, and and I think there was so we were in between. Looking back at it now, correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> we're in a transition area. Mm-hmm. There's a private field. They probably head to that private field a pretty good bit and gobble a couple times to check or go out there and strut a little bit or whatever and um they had done some farming work in there and mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll bet that's probably they were, they were bugging yeah. out there uh picking up red worms and stuff oh, okay so, um you know looking back that's probably but i'm not going down myself for that one i feel like i made every right decision i could and and the sad part is there's like one place you can cross the creek 
there's a little ravine, and you come down the edge of that, well, like a gully, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. goes up into the hillside, and they came down one side of it on a deer trail. And that, like everything else, is a straight up and down face. Right. That's why I dropped down to the creek, and I that it's probably 10, 12, 10, 12 15 feet up, yeah. straight up. Yeah. Like, they aren't, I wouldn't think. They it's would. not something a human being no. is going to actively jump no, off I mean, of, I can tell you if that. If they wanted to, they could fly, they could fly across right. that, but nine but, times out of ten, they're not. Yeah, going, 99.9 out of right. 100, they won't. Right. And then, so I just stayed down there. I was like, well, Chris said the other day, just keep them gobbling. I'll make, yep. a, I'll make a move on them. I was like. All right. Boy, you did your job. <laughs> he, he had them things gobbling. I and mean, then, they were gobbling every 30 seconds to a minute. And then the next thing I know, the gobble gets really close, and I'm like, all right, Chris, where are you? <laughs> where are you? Because <laughs> there, should, there should be a boom any second now, and I'm waiting on a boom, and the next thing I know, I, one gobbles, and he's standing in the creek, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and he's at 50, standing in the creek, <laughs> and I'm like, Chris is not <laughs> not anywhere close to where I'm at. I, I wonder think. where Chris is right now. It's like, where are you, Christopher? <laughs> <laughs> Please come kill this bird. <laughs> so needless to Throw say, your <laughs> that's kind of that. That was basically the story of the ending. I went uh, the next day. Excuse me. Went the next day with a buddy, and we didn't really get on much, so we went to a private farm, and. We heard some birds gobbling early, went and checked the rest of the farm out, got caught up in looking at the cicadas, <laughs> hear one gobble where we had originally called from two hours ago, and did everything in our power to beat those birds, the bird, mm-hmm. back to the spot, and we round the corner, and and they wouldn't gobble. I threw everything I could at them. Bob did a damn <clears throat> red tail hawk call. I did... Uh, I did uh, my I did the nasty the crow call. <laughs> the crow call. I mean, I did everything I could to get them gobble, crazy quick, out of nowhere, high pitches and stuff, and they were not saying a word. And we round the corner. He's like, "Oh, there he is!" And then there was another one, and took kind of a long shot. Well, not too <laughs> much about. Found out that TSS can stick in a tree at a very very long yardage, though. So um, we know it penetrates. <laughs> You can hit the turkey in the right spot at 100. You might kill him. Um, but anywho, it was, it was kind of a, a rough ending. But at the same rate, it was an awesome season. I hunted with Rick, Josh, Luke, Pierce, um, Bob, Bob. Uh, Matt, Amrine. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, because you didn't get out with Aaron at all. Yeah, I didn't get to go with Aaron. Didn't get to hook up with Cam, but Cam. he's he's still learning to put stakes in the ground, so we're going to give him another year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, poor fellow. Oh, he's never going to do that. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> but, uh, he can make, fun. A bird in. He can make fun of me. Over. He can make oh, fun dude. of me all he wants for six shots of TSS, but I have never had that happen to me, can ever. Can you imagine... The only be the only birds you call in, you did everything right, and didn't stick the stake <laughs> in the ground far enough, and it doesn't fall down. Twenty minutes later, the gobblers come in, 
and it falls down then. Yeah. Why that's a story. Proper prior placement <laughs> prevents piss poor. I don't know what the last P would be what with did that. You say? Proper prior placement prevents piss poor partying is usually No, that's not it. Proper prior planning prevents piss poor partying is is the <laughs> adage, but proper prior placement prevents piss poor. I don't know what the last P would be for turkey hunting. Dude. Peppering. <laughs> Peppering. Peppering. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, but we're transitioning now. Yeah. We're going from turkey season oh. to 90 days away. We are going to be chasing whitetails in the hills of Kentucky. Yes. <laughs> we're going to we're going to spook every whitetail in uh in Kentucky. Oh, I'm going to scare the hell out of so many deer. <laughs> Deer drives on public land with crossbows. <laughs> <laughs> Opening day. Opening day, 45 minutes in. Guys, they're not moving. <laughs> we got to get them up. <laughs> Go drive that water hole out. So, yeah. So, uh, it's time to transition that part of the year. Yeah. Like, we are out of turkey season. Um, Obviously, there's some seasons in between that you can do. You can do some small game stuff, squirrel mainly. You can do bullfrog in Kentucky, that kind of stuff. But we're full bore into deer season at this point. So we wanted to talk a little bit about what I think everybody kind of looks at doing first thing when they get to a deer, uh, they're going to be deer hunting, is start looking at placement of trail cams, yep. what kind of trail cam you're going to be using, what what are some best practices, and ways to not blow deer out of an area. And, you know, really kind of screw yourself for later on in the season. Yeah. So I think each of us kind of has a different way of doing stuff. And there's, I mean, we, we've, we've all got different, different stuff to do. Um, you know, Pearson, you hunt Kentucky. Uh, Chris, you've started hunting uh, public down there. Yeah. I've got a small uh, area that I hunt across the road from my house, but I also I haven't put up any uh, cameras on public this year but you know i'm not probably going to hit that until maybe rifle season but we wanted to talk mainly about just kind of basic things that can be a really helpful thing for you starting out your season so i'll leave it to the master not you chris um no mr shit. <laughs> uh so pierce what what are some things that you tend to do or what that you try to do uh, as you are scouting a new area, if you're, you know, scouting early deer, you know, what, what are you looking for? What are you setting up for? How do you do it? Right now I'm mapping out like all the ag fields, like what's, what's been planted where. So then I can kind of start to paint, paint the picture into, into what I'm going to be looking yeah. at when the season comes in and you're going to want to kind of pay attention to when these when the beans and whatnot were planted because those greener the fields that were planted later are going to be green more than likely on opening day of the mm -hmm. season and you'd be amazed at how big of a difference that actually makes because oh, yeah. when the beans start to turn that's what creates that shift when ohio season mm -hmm. comes in because that's when your beans have started turning. Generally, they're 
almost all turned, but if you can find a field that's still shady green. Shady patches. Yeah, shady, your shady patches, like the west west side of the field, those are typically, they can be money. And with Kentucky season coming in as early as it does, your beans are green. Your beans are green. Like, and that's, God, that's so huge. They're at, They're basically at their peak. Right. Right then. That is right before the turn. Mm-hmm. And I agree, man. And it's, they're uh, still they're still on that su- they're still on that summer pattern. Yep. Where Ohio season <laughs> could come in at a worse time because <laughs> oh. it, that's literally that's like the start of the transition. They just lost their velvet. They're breaking out of their bachelor groups, and your hunt your your cameras don't really. Hey, sorry for you guys that love cameras, but your cameras really aren't. And any prior knowledge to that point, you throw it away. Yeah. Pretty much in Ohio, no question. You you have beans turning yellow and bitter. Yep. And you have all the hard and soft mass crops for the, not all of them, but a vast majority of them are coming ripe at that time. Acorns are dropping, and that's. I mean, if you're a white-tailed deer, acorns are where it's at, right? Right. You haven't had it all year. Yeah. You've been munching on beans for the yeah. last low, low energy stuff, and now you've got something. <clears throat> it's like us going from eating a salad to chicken. Yeah, basically is what I would refer to it as. Well, and Pierce, you bring up a good point because, and the only reason I think about this is I was in South Carolina this past week, and they've Giant got. I mean, they've got they've got corn already. Corn and beans are already, you know, sprouted up. Pretty decently down there, That's so probably their second round. Well, maybe depending and, on where you were. Well, in uh, it's Charleston, so oh, down, so down near Charleston, second round, second round. So, <laughs> so you know, you have to think about really if you if you're if you're hunting a farm, what what that farmer's doing, how they're doing it, right. when they're planting that stuff is key. And like you said, if you look at any video or information about you know Kentucky, Tennessee. Any of the states right around in that area. September 4th, I think, is when the season comes in this year. Those yep. beans are going to be prime. Like, if, yep. you, if you can find an edge of a bean field at that, you know, every video that you go and look at that a guy comes to Kentucky to hunt early or a guy goes to Tennessee to hunt early, they're going to be sitting on a bean field or they're going to try to gain access to it because all those deer are just going to be standing out there. And you might only see antlers – but you're going to see them, which brings us to a point we were discussing before we uh, got on here was you said not to run trail cams. To a point, it it depends on what how much access you have to road frontage that right. you can see deer. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm going to throw some cameras out to see what I have hiding mm-hmm. that... I'm not seeing out in the fields, but I'd like to find that one particular deer and just make my point of attack. So will you typically, so if, if I gave, if I gave you like the choice of trail cam or you can visibly see the deer in the field, which one would you take? Oh, Oh, visible. Okay. Just making sure. You have that choice. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just, I'm just just making, I'm just, just pointing that out. Don't get me wrong. I, I, generally, I do enough driving around throughout the summer that eventually I'm. You get the perfect evening, 
mm-hmm. and you're gonna you're gonna get eyes on them. I know what those evenings are like, man. I, in fact, I got the me and Pierce drove around together once on some public. <laughs> well, kind of. It was bordering public. Was this is the time that the guy tried to fight you in the middle of the road. Uh, huh? Or that was with Matt. You drove down like a road, and like a guy drove up real fast behind you. We talked about it on here. Was that you? That might have been Matt. Yeah, I don't think that was me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having trouble placing that. Can you give me a little bit more of the story? It's in an area. Somebody wanted mm. to fight you is like pretty you, common. <laughs> <laughs> I need more. You were you were scouting a deer. You saw it out in the field. You got the binos out. You were stopped in the road, and some guy came flying okay. up behind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, was yeah, that yeah. with Pierce that, or was that, that with that, Matt? That was me and Matt. Okay, um, we were down at um, a place to be named later. A place to be named never. Never be named. And uh, the guy, the guy rented some property near the private. You know, yeah. generally. Anybody who's halfway smart, all those private land ag fields that surround public, as Pierce is talking about, well, that that's what you can see. You right. can't see the majority of the public unless it's good primo stuff. Mm-hmm. But for the majority of the the deer, you know, you're not going to get to see on the public. You're going to see them in private bean fields or whatever. So right. we're out driving, and, yeah, uh, we had – we had stopped. We're on a back road. Nobody's on, and I'd assume the guy was probably hunting. I seen a a couple of good ones. One in particular was really good, and uh, I guess he didn't like that I was going to try to hunt his deer, and so he ran up and had some stuff to say. Told us that we shouldn't stop in the road and all that. I mean, it's a glorified driveway, basically. That's yeah, topped, and. Uh, I just said, all right, thanks, man. And he sped off. Well, he came back around and revved his engine at us. So I revved mine back because I don't give a shit. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. So he went to stop his truck and come follow us, I guess. But he didn't follow through. So, anywho. <laughs> Um, we got off topic there. You're trying to paint a bad picture of me, right? I'm not trying to paint a bad picture of <laughs> you. I'm trying to, like... No. But, <clears throat> but be- that's what we were doing. We were yeah, you were scouting viewing, deer. From, yeah. We were viewing deer from the road to me, to Pierce, to anybody that wants to be... I mean, the more you go into a deer's area, I don't care what anybody says, <clears throat> what they think you can turn on or spray or whatever. There's literally no way to mask that you've been in there. You can go in there when it's dry, rainy, don't care. They know. Period. Well, yeah, absolutely. And 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 if you're not treating even if they can't if you're not treating it that way, that's your first problem. Well, so, and guess what? <laughs> you go out to the wrong area, you better spray down with permethrin or you're going to oh, get heat up with ticks. So, well, that's the other it, part. You leave you leave a permethrin trail through the yeah. woods and right. I mean, so it's it's very 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 highly intelligent to try if you have a season that opens like Kentucky's does mm-hmm. and those bucks I mean they should majority of them should be in velvet too I mean yeah for the most part um, even though I, I mean I've seen a few 
shed mid-August and stuff. But uh, a lot of those bucks could be in velvet. So, um, But when you have beans and stuff like that that are still green and the deer are on those summer patterns like Pierce said, there's really – if you have ag fields and you can hunt the right. ag fields or, you know, back behind them a little bit, you're crazy if you even put up a camera, really. Well, yeah, and so – that, that's kind of one of the interesting things when you think about states that come in early too, because so I use Kentucky just cause I'm from there now, but like Kentucky's Western part of the state is ag fields. Like that, that is what you're primarily, sure. what you're primarily going to run into there with the Eastern part of the state. It's hills and mountains. So yep. your soft mass isn't necessarily falling then. So you need to find other types of food that they're going to be eating on early on in the season. So the place that I hunt is actually near like it, it, it's all cattle farms around me. Like it, that's all that it is, but there's blocks of woods around there and there's just enough type of stuff that they'll go in the munch on lots of clover in those open areas. Yeah. That's a good thing to kind of go look at. Uh, if you don't have access to beans or other types of ag fields, but it's also important to know what people are planting. I don't know four farms over sure. because so I ran into this problem last year where the farm three three farms over had standing corn no idea and it, they they didn't cut it at all I don't know if it was just bad or what the hell happened to it but it was still standing in the middle of November and oh God. had no idea that it was there I, I ended up shooting my deer and then when we got out and when we got the deer, I look over across the way and there's still standing corn in this field. And I'm sitting there like, well, no wonder I'm not seeing any of the damn deer that I was seeing on cameras. They're all probably over there yeah. eating corn and, you know, going through that field and hiding over there. But it's important to take that all into account when you're scouting. You know, that that's a, a general rule of thumb, I think, for scouting on any of this kind of stuff when you're you know, trying to get early season stuff going for yourself. Absolutely. Um I th- like we're going to be dealing with some public land in Kentucky that has zero ag and it's, you know, a lot of hills and stuff, but there's going to be no shortage, I think, of ag surrounding it. Correct. So I think what we're going to run into here is you're basically going to be a bedding and a staging area and hunt browse, uh, you know, they're going to browse yep. their way down to that ag and then be there all night and that's why you know it's funny everybody everybody's food plot heavy man Mm -hmm. all those pretty bucks at night (laughs) (laughs) all those beautiful nighttime pictures Uh, i think kentucky yeah kentucky i i think you can i i think a food plot would be could be killer because why do you think they're that? still on their summer pattern? Well, yeah, yeah, they're still on that summer pattern. Sorry, but I'm Ohio. Now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't dream that, anymore. I don't dream right. about any of that. <laughs> oh, look how green it is. That's pretty. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, Ohio. Yeah, certain spots you might get lucky, but do you hear that, I, do you hear that part? Luck, lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Might get lucky and Luck. kill a three-year-old. Kill a three-year-old. Kill a three-year-old. Did you know that I killed a buck this year? <laughs> Trust me, I'm a doctor. 
inside joke for one of our listeners. Oh goodness, uh, getting but, those jabs in where we can tonight. Gotta get them. But it, it's it's good that you kind of point that out because if you think about how that works in other states or things like that, so whenever you, you know, I look at like green fields and that kind of stuff. The only thing I ever have to compare it to outside of there is like guys who go out and hunt west and hunt like alfalfa fields and that kind of stuff. And every time that they go hunt an alfalfa field, it's like, where are all the deer? Oh, they're on that alfalfa field. I need to get set up on the edge of it for when they come back in the morning. But at least over here, it always seems that those deer are in there, you know, right during those crepuscular times, like right in the morning and right. Crepuscular, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cardiovascular, different things. One's heart. One is uh, how animals move. But oh, is it? Yes, actually, <laughs> respiratory. Um, but you made me lose my damn train of thought. Thank you're you. Welcome. Thank you. Um, th- those times, I think you're right. I think you can get a, a deer at either one of those, but they're not going to be hanging out there in the middle of the day, obviously, because it's you know yeah, it's ninety degrees yeah, still. So, so trail cam placement for if you can't spot them from the road. What are your guys' thoughts on this? You're our guest. I'm gonna let you talk, and I'll try to hit on some stuff if you miss anything. I think what I'm gonna try to do more than anything this year. And we're talking. Are we talking about? I, I think you should hit on. <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm gonna play my cards a lot differently in Kentucky than I am here in Ohio. Oh yeah. So I think you should hit. <clears throat> Why don't you hit on Kentucky first and then talk about Ohio. Kentucky first. I'm we have I hunt this farm with a buddy. So we have access to ATVs. God. So that's nice. I think the best thing we could possibly do is stick to field edges. Yeah. Stay on the ATV cuz they're used to tractors and yep. other machinery. You're not laying down through. a human so, scent trail. Put it on the pinch points coming in to the fields, and you're gonna you're gonna get an idea of what you've got. Yeah. As long as you put your cameras in the on the right trails leading to those fields, that's that's a safe that's always a safe bet. You're not crashing into the middle of a bedding area to throw a camera out there. Just it's kind of pointless. Right. Too much intrusion. Essentially, all you need to know is: is there a deer here that I want to? Yep. That I want to kill. Yep. And if you're having trouble finding them, keep on moving your camera until you. Yeah. Until you do find them. Man, I can't. So that's something I've been kind of a small parcel, private land guy a lot, especially when it comes to the cameras, and that's actually one of my goals this year, um, hunting Kentucky public. Uh, is to go out and find a deer, you know, probably a a couple deer, obviously, that I want to kill that I'm cool with shooting, and I'm basically going to try to position my cameras as good as I can um, to start getting some daylight pictures. I think I'm going to probably start with water yeah, and work my way back. Um, And... Uh, that's, you know, with public land, especially when it's 500, 1,000, 10,000, whatever acres, you can move around. 
And I don't want to say that you're not going to blow deer out, but it's different than hunting a 20 acre or even a, you know, oh, hell yeah, in it my is. case, a five acre parcel where, oh, I'll move down the tree because that's all I got. I'm going to walk out like there is no adjustment here. I can shoot across the property. Right. So, um, but I, I, I mean, I think that from what I learned about the public land that I hunted before, because again, most people know I do corn piles and stuff on private and all that. And those deer react to your presence. But man, when I put those cams up on the public in Kentucky, all I had, you know, it was so, you know, I drove a long ways. And when you don't have anything, and especially you're in hill country, deer don't lay the sign down in hill country that they do where it's flatter and no. water holds. One thing I learned is if you're seeing a decent amount of deer tracks at all, those deer run that area really good. Because it's hard clay, rocky mm-hmm. kind of soil, mm-hmm. so they don't cut it like they cut a bank here. And if you see a trail through the grass, buddy, it's being used. Yeah, I put a trail camera up on the edge of a field right off a bridle trail, mm-hmm. and you'd have thought that I snuck in with Freddy Krueger and <laughs> murdered everybody's kids. Like <laughs> the way those deer reacted, and a lot of times I don't think picture mode represents a deer's reaction quite like what you would see in video mode Mm -hmm. but you could visibly see those deer immediately smelled where i had been and were staring right at the camera and wouldn't walk past it right and it was about three days before they started walking by it and they would come every night and just deer in the headlight look right at the camera from you know 10 steps or whatever and uh, you could tell that they were not comfortable with you even have been there. Like, not that you were there. It's been hours since you've been there. Well, you know what that is, right? Huh? You know what that is, right? Tell me. Your electromagnetic scent. If you put hex over the top of it, it'd be <laughs> fine. Nice. You caught me off guard there. That's <laughs> better yet. That's good. And the famous words of Dan and Paul. Just slap them on the ass and let them know they're being hunted. Hunted, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Pretty much. That's basically that's what he says. He's like, if you know they're there. Yep. So i i had this I had this uh, problem with the farm that I hunted last year. Was I set up my trail cam and it's at a pinch point. I set it up. The farmer doesn't like me coming in really prior to August, which. Kind of complicates things, but it doesn't. Sure. Um, it kind of, yeah. you know, you got a sneak in. There. I got a sneak in. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he he's he's a good dude, but uh, he he's got he runs cattle and stuff, so he likes to just keep it till right before the season starts. So I put my camera at a pinch point. I get a bunch of pictures of deer, but all of a sudden, um, I started getting pictures of a person walking. Every Thursday, and it was like clockwork every Thursday through the season. So it was, <laughs> it, it it was one of those things where I had to really time my hunting around that 
And the deer that I killed last year was on Thursday, but it was in the morning and it was on Thanksgiving because I knew that person wasn't going to be walking on Thanksgiving. So it's it's important to know those areas and when you're placing those cameras, if you're catching you know people on your cameras or if you are putting them on a main pathway where you think deer are going to be moving through, that if there's any type of scent there, I mean you're going to screw yourself at some level, sure. and you're going to have to really rethink your strategy. You're going to you're going to get pictures, but yeah. you're going to have to prop. You might have to set up way the hell away from the camera in order to get a shot at that deer, which is, which, you know, knowing now what I uh, know about the, how the deer were moving on the property last year, I should have been 300 yards towards the back where everything was scraped up even more. There's a acorns all over the ground and no flipping human scent. I kind of like to have that, uh, pressure intel too, though. Yeah. If you oh, set yeah. them in obvious spots, you get a granite lock them, mm-hmm. make sure, sure they're locked, make sure they're camoed up in, up high, whatever you got to do, because thieves will take your Yeah, they will. Yes, they will. But I like to have that intel. Oh, yeah. Of, are there people coming through this gate? Or are, they, are there <clears throat> people out here every weekend driving, riding around on four-wheelers and yep. stuff like that? I mean, right. Then you... You've got an idea like, well, I was going to set up on this luscious alfalfa field on opening day, but these there's people out here riding four-wheelers all, right. Right, all weekend, so that's not not a great idea. No, yeah, and like clockwork. back a little bit further. And like clockwork on, on that farm, those deer would be in there, like they would be there an hour before. And then two hours later, I mean, just every time that that person walked through there, two hours later, then they would be back in there every wow. single time. And, and this was a main travel I've way. A, I've Ugh. got a great story. So we were, a buddy and I hunted this. It was a, it was a monarch deer. It was the big, one of the is biggest. That, is that the one you showed me pictures of? Uh, Yeah, it's been years. Top of the mountain? It, yeah, it's been yeah. years, years ago. But this buck come, or no. We had this buck on camera religiously. How, how like big is this deer? Monday through Friday. I want to say... 90s? I would say one in between the 180 to 190 range. Jesus. And I, just, I honestly think the deer was going... He was starting to go downhill. <clears throat> yeah. Like, he... You, it's a big damn you deer. look at him and you're like, good lord. Like, he just... He looks old, old, old. But, so anyways... We would have this deer. We were young too. I mean, we were eighteen, so we didn't we didn't know anything. We thought we did, but we we didn't. So we would have this deer on camera Monday to fr- Monday through Friday, daylight. I mean, that was during the rut. Everything oh, this deer was. He used this one ridge religiously, and we would go in and hunt him Saturday and Sunday. We'd never seen back on camera Monday in the daylight. I mean, just religiously. And so like daylight every day, daylight damn near every day. I mean, I had a log. I was keeping a log for, for that season of like when he was daylight, when we hunted and he was in there Monday to Friday, Saturday oh, and Sunday, he's gone. And I, 
there was some surrounding pressure too, so I don't know if yeah if that had it had some stuff to do with it. But at the same time, we were checking cameras, and it was through the week. We were sliding through the photos, and all of a sudden, there's there was a, a tra- like a backhoe up on on this ridge. I was like, damn, he's that's probably going to run that deer off. We'll never have a picture of him again. We scrolled over two or three more pictures. There he is. 30 minutes after the backhoe went through, I'm. Jeez, it's, it's like, can they differentiate that that's... Danger and not danger. Danger, not danger. And, I mean, ha- are they just that curious? To right. They're coming in, like, what's what's going on up here? Yeah, that that was very frustrating. Which I had killed, I killed a buck early, and then we got pictures of this giant. So I was going, I was going up, and I was filming for my buddy, and we, were, we, I mean, we hunted the guts out of that place too, and that deer was still daylight, dang near Monday to Friday. I mean, Boy, there might have been a day. Smart. There might have been a day, and the crazy thing was, is this place? What it was an outfitter business the years prior to us hunting it and that deer was still alive wow wow like, and that he was just a monarch like it was, it was a giant was that the one where you're saying deer. like y'all rode a quad yeah yeah i don't think my buddy listens to this but he won't walk <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry trevor if you if you hear this he is not walking up that mountain. <laughs> he, he's all all about work smarter, not harder. Sure. And I think in that case, looking back, I think I could have got him to walk up the walk up the. We did walk. We walked up it once, but even then, I I don't know. I don't know if the the neighboring pressure on the weekends. I don't know if that was a contributor to that buck just laying low on Saturday and Sunday sure. because you're out you're in that part of the country. It's nothing to hear multiple other four wheelers right first thing in the morning too. Oh but yeah. Granted, no. If we had it all over to do over again, we would have took a freaking tents up there. Right. And we would have stayed. Yeah. And we take a week off yeah. from work, school, yeah. whatever you're yeah, into. Whatever, whatever we could have did to kill that giant. God, dude, and that is a big deer. So to kind of finish my story though, for Kentucky, yeah, 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 because this is kind of this was very educational to me. Taught me how much of an idiot I was. <laughs> Am I was? I don't know. Um, so I set these cameras up. The deer are clearly freaked. Well, about a week goes by, and these deer are just pouring past the cameras as if I never set them there. And I'm not talking daylight. Like, you know, we're in, we're in the end of June, middle of July. Yeah. And these deer are coming out at five 30. They were pretty regular every single day. Yeah. And like people say animals can't tell time, but whatever it is like, I think it's probably a wind switch or switching thermals or something. I don't know. But, dude, they were out there at, like, 
5.30 every day. Well, then I go check the cameras, find that out. And when I come back to check the cameras, I see all the damage that I've done. And it takes a little longer uh-huh. for them to come out, coming out later. And on top of that, deer start to kind of not show much interest in that area. Mm-hmm. And then I'd only check, I checked the cameras. We put cameras out. Then I came back a month later. Yeah. And uh, I checked them because I was going to hunt in Maryland. Mm-hmm. I was just going to get my cameras and if something good was there, well, find that big eight is like a hundred fifty. That was a big deer. It was a nice deer. Probably pretty close to one fifty, one fifty five. Yeah, and then I get a crab claw ten. That's probably a thirties, low thirties mm-hmm. buck. But I don't care. You're out of state on public land, and if you're in velvet, that's a that's a you're dead anyway. <laughs> but if you're in velvet, dude, you're like my prized deer. So. <laughs> Um, had some other bucks that were gorgeous, had a couple that would be right around the Pope and Young, maybe a little under, but I, they were gorgeous. I'd have mm-hmm. shot them. Don't care. Um, and we put out all these trail cams. We put, I went down with Thomas and I think we put like 12 tra- trail cams up that day. Yeah. I mean, we walked. You walked a ton. That's funny. He's talking about how like, you know, he's like a Western hunter, mm-hmm. right? And he just walk and walk and walk and walk we found out maury povich found out that that was a lie uh, that's pretty rough made me feel in shape so not just round so uh we checked the cameras you know and i'm psyched come back put those cameras up check the cameras that i had not quite as good and then when we came back uh i think would have been right that you would have came back right at camp yeah it was at camp yeah and it was like so depressing uh it was it was the day before we Mm -hmm. hunted and and now my my goal is you know if i have deer daylighting i'm not checking that camera again until i come to sit in a tree right like there's no re like you have deer daylighting leave because not a whole hell of a lot's going to change like like, it's it's just not not well not early season like that it's just it's just not going to change those deer are on that pattern um the only other way that i could think about that i've ever heard of guys consistently killing decent sized deer early on is if you're in an area and you like kind of what you're saying, if those deer are used to you being in that area every yeah, single no, day, conditioning, the, deer. conditioning the deer, Zach Kaiser. Well, and there's like, there's a guy um, who works for Kentucky field. He's talked about this plenty of times. He's like, I go and he goes, I back my truck up and he goes, I dump corn down and he goes, does deer know what's going on? And he goes, and they know what that is. And he's like, but I'm there every Friday. And he goes, I'm going to go in. He goes, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to drive my truck up that day. But he goes, I'm going to go hunt Friday. And guess what? 
guy can sells a, uh, kills a deer consistently almost every first week of the season because of that. Wow. So you have two ways of really looking at it. You have the stay completely out of there which after you get pictures, which, I mean, realistically, I think that's how a lot of people hunt. Solid especially way on public, I uh, think. Where you oh, hell yeah, it is. Corn and stuff like that. Absolutely. deer in Kentucky, though, too, like, they turn into different animals when they lose that velvet. They do. It seems like they their alert gets a little bit more testosterone raises and their uh, strong hand that like strong hand was like that yeah i don't know if that creates some sort of like uh anxious nervous energy or something but i agree um they dude it is amazing you have these deer in velvet Mm -hmm. well hell last year tom brady and drew bledsoe and i mean they're coming in at Freaking four o'clock, munching on corn. Come back at seven thirty, munching on corn. Come back right after dark, munching yep. on corn. They're in daylight three to five times a day, and I'm, I'm telling Pierce like, I'm going to kill that deer. <laughs> That's no problem. Like, I don't even know if I want to hunt him. It's going to be so easy. Yeah, let me tell you how easy that was. Not so much. Not so much. Not so much. I don't know if I got a single daylight picture after they dropped their velvet. It, they 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 turn they turn into a different animal. They I mean they really do. They break away from their bachelor groups. They start they start acting all goofy. And especially if you're hunting a mature, a mature deer, mature 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 deer mature deer mature deer. Um, they're gonna. They're, I mean, they're kind of a weird animal to begin with, anyways. Yeah. So you talked about Kentucky. Let's hit on Ohio now. How are you going to run cams for Ohio? And I would assume it's probably going to be a little different on public than private, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna stick the water access from I think that's water, the most. Creeks. Okay. Up creeks, down creeks. I'm going to try to keep it to water access. I There are some farms that I do have access to that I could probably use an ATV on. I might try that. I haven't tried that so much in the past. In Ohio, anyways. And I think that would probably be a better idea. Yeah. So, God, I still want to do the... I'd love to condition a deer. Like, have a ATV. Oh, I... I've do the buddy drive. I've seen... Yeah, I've seen it before. Like, you... you feet where guys start feeding in july and you you go in you feed every couple days they hear that four and they just think they think the dinner bell's dinner bell. ringing yep and there it is come drop get it. drop the hunters off and drive away and i mean sometimes you're not even get getting completely like the foil or loaded back up on the trailer and caught him Got him. But <laughs> he needs you to come back around. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but I I'm not there anymore. Like I don't want to do that. Okay. Right. Anymore. Like at one time, absolutely. Yeah. But now I just it's not gonna mean as much. Yeah. Not to me. I like not to me. I mean, granted if guys wanna do that, more power to you. Yeah. Kill, kill. I'm conflicted because I know I know how hard it is to kill a big deer. I mean, I have what I would call 
three, basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is, it's tough. Even when you have, that's the thing. Like just getting encounters at all is tough. And I think maybe it could be different for me this year because I do want to do it a different way on public. And if I don't have the deer that we think I might have to hunt, I'm probably going to at least try to stick to some good public and, and hunt it well. But, um, man, it's so tough to even get a daylight encounter. And if I got to have somebody drop me off with a damn four-wheeler, I'm okay with it. But there again, you know, like you said, and you're putting in that extra effort. Like these guys are putting in that extra effort, though, in July and August of oh sure going. I mean, loading up the full, loading up the quad, going and buying corn, loading yeah. this stuff up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to look at that too. I mean, they're still working for it. They're you're still not, working. It's not like they're ta- it. It's. I mean, it's a shortcut to some people, but it, I mean, it's not. That's where I I struggle with the corn bashers because I haul all mine on my back. And so that like Mm -hmm. go throw 100, 150 pounds on your back and go walk in the hills or even in the flat, you know, mucky flat walking is with 150 pounds on your back. Ain't ain't no walk in the park in the July heat with mosquito in your ears. And Uh. oh, dude, it's and then you, you know, you go up a little hill and it rained earlier and you lose your footing and fall and now you're the lifeline lady i've fallen and i can't get up so you take a bag or two out and go up the hill and come back well, you're screwed man i can't get up so i'm all i'm all about like just dumping corn ATVs if I could I, oh, sure. I i would condition the living hell out of the deer near me if i possibly could at and, the same time, though, and, and it would it would mean it would mean something to me. Like I like you guys have killed like like really really nice deer. Like I I have made this very well known. I am a unapologetic meat hunter, huh. and um I no sorries from <laughs> no sorries from me about this. Um, but if I have the opportunity to kill a big deer and I can do it that way, I'm gonna do it that way. And some people are gonna have a problem with it, but. At the same time, you know, that's how I chose to hunt that that way. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do that. And sure, I don't I don't I don't know. It would still I feel like and I'm and if it ever happened and I did it and I shot a big deer, I might feel differently about it. But I'm pretty sure I know me good enough that it's not going to matter a whole hell of a lot to me. I disagree. You think you think you think yeah. it would. It, I'll tell you why I disagree. Why? Because that big deer is way smarter than any of the other little deer. And when it's like, that's like the, for me, that's the equivalent of playing a bunch of 10 year old kids in basketball versus beating a guy that's six six two fifty 250 and really good. No, 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 no. You're no, going to no. feel way better about beating him than you will. No, I, I understand. I would feel way better about beating him. I'm saying I would not care how I beat him at that point. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna go pay for uh, like a tag on the ear deer or something like that. Okay. If, if someone wants to do that, you know, knock yourself out. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna feel wonderful if I shoot that big deer and I, okay. I beat him and like, you know, 
be waving my finger like he's Dikembe Mutombo at me. <laughs> like I'm going to be amped about it. At the same time, though, if I can do it in a you know a way that I can condition that deer to come in, but that's the, that's the hard part of it. Yeah. And I I think when we talked to Don Higgins, he made this comment. He he's basically is like, you got to outsmart them. He, oh, he's, yeah. like, he's like the way I got to kill in big deer is I killed a bunch of tiny deer. Yeah. And like you know they act differently. They they just do. Oh, dude, big bucks doing big bucks things, big buck things. It's it's so funny because like you watch them. I know we're getting way off topic here, guys, but we're fine. Um, we're only an hour in. <laughs> but like, I've noticed a few key traits of bigger deer for the most part is they're like really steadfast. So like when the does and the fawns and the little bucks, they'll freak out and scatter everywhere. Mm -hmm. And he stands still as a statue and doesn't move and studies the area. Obviously that's situational, but if it's just like a, Oh, there's something not right. He's going to try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, and even the way they move when they're fine, for the most part, from what I've seen, they walk a few steps and just stand and scan yep. and throw their nose up. And you're just like, lick their nose. Oh, do, yep. oh yeah. Try keep that nose wet. And, yep. So, and then, uh, the other thing that I notice that kind of hit on there is, um, you know, nanny, She'll stand off at 60 <laughs> yards and blow, and you just want to just... God, I hate that. I hate those does. You just want to shoot her babies in front of her. <laughs> she pisses you off so bad. Well, he will tuck his tail, hunker down, and not say a word, and just leave. B big deer are just weird. Not like, at, No advertisement, nothing. Like, no, and, and, and they're, they're, they're so different. There's, there's this thought process. Um, there's a guy named Valerius Geist. And he, he's studied mule deer more than he studied whitetail, I believe. But he has this theory that, like, those really big deer that you see, like your, you know, your 180s, your 190s, like, they're so different than some of these other deer that you see, even, like, the 150s and 160s, because he's like, they'll go, and they'll just, like, stand up on the hill, and they'll just watch everybody. Like, they, they, won't, they won't try to necessarily... Um, run during the rut. They won't necessarily um, be coming down and being around your cameras. He goes, they're just a different type of animal, and they're like one out of every 100. They're going to sit there and they're going to watch everything versus going full bore and being a regular deer. Well, the stars that have to align to get to that kind of size is kind of miraculous. Yeah. And then I've talked with Pierce about this. So you've got a deer that's like physically superior yeah. to all these other deer. I think those deer get that way. They, they are blessed with genetics physically. They're blessed with genetics mentally mm -hmm. as well. And they're, in my opinion, just on kind of a different level where maybe it's like with us where... This dude understands calculus, but nobody does, you know, like, why would I even need that? Right. But that deer has a different understanding of danger, people, whatever. Well, and it, someone said something the other day that kind of resonated was genetics, genetics don't expire. Like, they don't. 
Like once that is bred into that animal and they have that experience and they understand that, that does not go away for that deer. Yeah. It's not going to be like, you know, think, think of it like this. If you're five years old and you put your hand on the stove and you burn your hand, you're going to remember that the stove is really hot from that point because your, your hand got burned. A deer that is just able to kind of stand back and look at stuff. They're going to observe things um, and they're going to get more knowledge and they're going to gain more understanding of their situations around them. They don't get that big for a reason. The big buck is back in the woods with the Chris rock face. Like, Hey man, I wouldn't do that shit if I was you. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, to a certain extent, the same goes for like big fish. They don't get that big for a reason. I agree. Like you, they're not just a dumb little idiot swimming around. That like there's something there. Yeah, and yeah. you can't explain it. And it's not like our intelligence, but there's something there. Yeah, where they have the ability to learn or or whatever. It's kind of like why why can't you go just blast fish on a sunny day? Right. With clear temp or clear temps, Jesus. <laughs> idiot i've only had one beer with clear uh water yeah uh you know high visibility i mean you can't why do you have to sneak up on fish in clear water like it's not because they're stupid right I can t- there's something in there that just doesn't let them do it pierce you should talk <laughs> <laughs> deer's nose you just can't comprehend i agree what a deer can uh, interpret with their nose i agree i really we have no understanding of it yeah i i think kind of like what we talked about with uh whether or not you think a deer is alerted to your presence or freaked out by your presence treating it like it is almost to me, I tell people hunt like you're being hunted because you are. I mean, they are, yeah. that that video. I don't know if you've seen the video Dan did where he like went and sat where he does his videos all the time. A buck came in and was bedding right there so he could watch Dan's access. And did you see that? He was and Dan come in to do a video, and that buck took off. And then he looked at the tracks, and I mean, the deer walked right to the log where Dan sits. Every time he does a video, and it's crazy. So they are hunting. They're you. very, yeah, they're very curious. People talk about, oh, well, I pissed curious. in a scrape and a buck came. Well, yeah, some he, will. He, well, I, th- I think a lot of them will after you're gone. Yeah, they track you right to where you were and say, okay, don't university don't go there. The University of Pittsburgher um, Penn did a study two years ago where they radio collared like a bunch of deer, and. Um, they would have people walk into known bedding areas and the deer would run 500 yards away and stop. And they'd stand there for a certain amount of time and they would circle back around. But each time, like I think like the concentric circles would like get smaller to where they would, where the deer would figure out where the people were entering at. So they would, like you said, they would bed closer to that area so they would be alerted quicker so they get the hell out of there faster. Sure. Yep. It's a, uh, man, a deer's nose. You think about what search and rescue dogs 
can do. Mm-hmm. And they're generally, I don't, do you know what they use when they aren't they using like German shepherds generally or Dobermans? I mean, yeah. Or, I mean, German, German shepherds are mainly what they, what they use. Um, so that's not even the top of the line in the canine world. Don't let Gilkey hear you say that. Well, when we're talking about nose, he can't. I know. I know what nobody you're can refute that the bloodhound is. The bloodhound's the best. Yeah. The bloodhound is the cream of the crop, right? So. And a white-tailed if, deer. If like, a deer it's all over that. If a deer can go about thirty, thirty-five percent better than that, mm-hmm. like what? What can he do? And and there again, that's why I mean, probably shooting myself in the foot by saying this. The whole scent industry with, like, estrus scents and all that. Why have I not had an experience where I put out estrus scent and every buck in the area comes through tripping balls? Because I know when a hot doe comes through. Right. Because every buck, I've had this buck and that buck and that buck on camera, and there's three bucks that I haven't seen. And they all came down the same damn trail that she came down, and they're panting and freaking out and chasing her everywhere. Why has that never happened? Yeah, there. It's nothing and, that and, I think and people do on purpose, but I think there's a a change in the chemical makeup, and they can smell it. Well, I mean, there has to be, especially the mature ones. And I'm talking about mature deer. I'm not yeah. saying you'll never have a deer. I'm talking about four plus year old animals. That kind of thing. It would be like walking into a bar and you there's the girl that you've always seen. And you're like, man, she's really good looking. And I'm going to go talk to her. And then there's an, a new one that just shows up out of nowhere. And you're like, there's something just not. It's a blow up doll sitting quite on the right. bench. Exactly. Like, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she's kind of shiny. What time is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. I apologize to everybody's <laughs> children ahead of time. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with Pierce, uh, you know, in a shorter way. Um, a white tail's nose is, like, stupid. Oh, it it's absolutely ridiculous. is. Absolutely is. It's amazing how many people think, like, a coyote outsmells a deer. It's See, not even close. It's it's not. And it, it's not. Coyotes play – deer and coyotes both play wind. But, I mean, a coyote's a canid. Like it, it, it's it's a predator, and its primary source is its eyes. Like that, just it's just the way it is. A uh, deer is not; it has other strengths, and its nose is one of them. I'm gonna say a a, a canine. You know, I don't know much about cats, but I know that the the canine's going to use his nose more <clears> than eyes. <throat> mm-hmm. I can't speak for cats. I assume that a cat. Is going to use his eyes more. Yeah, but I don't know that because they don't have that long, long no, they don't. snout like no, a they dog don't. or a deer or whatever. Generally, you can tell anything with an elongated snout. It, that's it's a nose creature. Like, and we're talking about deer. Think about a bear. Yeah, who can smell a whale, a dead whale from like ten or whatever miles away, and they think that they can tell time. Yeah, with their nose. That's nuts. <laughs> he came here at 2.30 yesterday, and he had a Whopper <laughs> with mayonnaise, but it was light mayonnaise this time. Like, I think that that's a thing. So, anywho, we got a little off topic there. 
trail cams. Uh, so I'm going to give a few of my thoughts here. So first things first, uh, theme for me this year, video mode, hands down. Get you a big SD card in there. Now Not got, 64 gigs. Ah, you beat me to it, damn it. <laughs> Most trail cams for those doctors, lawyers, people who... Uh, I think they're smarter than most. Yeah. People who look down on others. <laughs> um, I, I can't say it enough. Most trail cams do not take above a 32 gig. This is a joke on a buddy, by the way. So nobody take offense to this, but he's a doctor-ish. So, <laughs> so um, you're not going to take more than, they're not going to take more than a 32 gig. Generally, some do take like a 64 or something. Um, but get you a 32 gig in there. Uh, I can't. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to because it's a cool little tip. Um, go to Walmart and buy a Tasco trail yep. cam for 28 bucks, and um, tell us what you think. I mean, honestly, Dude, there's guys. There's pictures of guys online in flooded areas that have bluegills on camera, and they're still working after well, that. Not only that, some of the cams that I bought from like Wild Game. Mm-hmm. That are 70, 60, 70, 80, 90 bucks do not have the capabilities that that camera does. Right. That camera, I can go from 5 to 15 to 30 to 60 second intervals, whichever I want, for my video mode. Really? And I think, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure you can do a three minute video. Think about, all, like, and I can't say it enough, put it on picture mode. And you get the first couple of deer, the dumb ones that you don't want to shoot, mm-hmm. coming through. And then the cam hasn't reset yet, and you get a picture of a deer's butt. Yeah. And or or the rut when that doe comes running through, and then yep. you're like, oh, what's she running for? We have a video to depict that as well, that big wide buck. Yeah. I mean, you see this doe come through, and all of a sudden you look in the background, and you're like, oh, eyes. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Oh, wow. He's good. He's coming up. And then the, the video, I think I had it on 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I'll probably run a minute long. I now, did. The only down part to that is, is some of these cell cams don't send. Yeah. Yeah. They won't send video. Now we, th- which is an important thing. Yeah. Like, I, I think that that's uh, something to kind of differentiate because I know everyone ran out and bought new tacticams and yeah, whatever uh, but i don't think a lot of people know what they're coming out with they're coming out with one that does send the videos like the spartan does yeah and uh those will if they come out at the price point that they said they will they will sell uh, yeah I, i'm i'm thinking about it more in the terms of like what you're talking about if you Cell cams are really good um, if you have a lithium battery or solar charge on them. Sure. Where you don't need to keep going in there and changing batteries. Sure. And you can do a long, you know, prolonged thing. It's yeah. going to send everything to sure. your phone. Keeps you keeps you out of the area. Yeah. But like this Tascos you're talking about, they're great for the purposes of what you're talking about. Also, oh, yeah. just especially gonna, on public. Oh man, just go set Somebody them. Somebody steals one. You needed it more than me. You're out 30. I hate you still, and I'll kill you if I find you. But. I'm out to 12 packs of Natty. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. for those that would drink 
Natty. Gross. I love Natty. That's like, gross. You're I like, love Natty. You're like one of my favorite people when it comes to food, and you say that. <laughs> God, dude, it bore out of college, man. No, oh. it, it it is. Uh, it, it it was it was cheap and it was good. I so didn't start I, drinking it until my, I started oh. hanging around my brother-in-law. <laughs> I was like, this stuff's pretty good. What is? Will you pay for that? Freaking Damn. pagans. Used to be. Uh, you you go to the. Uh, Can I say pagan? Yeah. It's you, not like a. No, I don't think it is. If it is, we're good. Yeah. We'll get in trouble at some point. But five bucks a twelve pack. Told you Rick was cooler after a couple beers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Fuck it. Don't don't bleep that too loud. By the way, I want to talk to you about your bleeping. Yeah. You scare the piss out of me when you bleep stuff, dude. It is loud. I'm listening in the car and there's nobody there, so I just got it cranked. <laughs> and all of a sudden the bleep comes, dude, and I'm like through the roof of the car. <laughs> like, oh my god. So uh video mode. Um, another thing to help curb people stealing them, but also kind of keep them up out of the deer's line of sight. I'm not gonna pretend like a deer didn't know that you were there and didn't climb that particular tree, but I think it still can help a little bit. Um, especially if you're lucky enough to where the deer doesn't come by that area for a while or something mm-hmm. and you get lucky or whatever, uh, which you're probably not in the right spot then, but, um, get them up in the tree. Yep. I take my stick with a double step aider. So I'm going to say my, if I put that stick on a tree, I can stand and the top of the stick is at seven feet. So I'm roughly, you know, a comfortable reaching height of 11 feet or mm-hmm. so. Most people aren't going to have what they need to get that high in a tree and get the camera down. So that keeps you from having to lock them as much. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they want it, they're going to get it. And right. I don't care if you lock it with a cable Here's and a lockbox. another cool thing that I, I don't know if I heard it on a podcast or if I saw it on one of the hunting pages. Someone was using like like a wire like a wire tie mm-hmm. yeah so it doesn't stick out as much as like a strap what a strap would Ooh, that's smart. i like and, that and you I, can customize you, that more yeah you can customize that more and you can uh you can always shove branches and stuff down in between absolutely in between i it like that a lot hide that hide it a little bit more who too. was it that was telling me you know i think it might be the the man the myth the legend um, he's like the sleeper of sleepers dude <laughs> old bob walker mm-hmm. i think it might have been him i i hope i'm not wrong but he's talking about putting like bark on the trail cams just to hide them mm-hmm. so people can't get them and super glowing bark on the like, yeah, yeah like i mean it's not a bad idea no, i mean hang, hanging them high and putting bark especially like yeah hanging your stuff on dead ash trees and freaking genius dude i never so, thought about hanging a trail cam high until i was actually in a dick's sporting goods and a guy walked in in a suit and he goes i need four trail cameras and he goes which ones the the red lights not come on that's an and and i and i i asked him like why do you want that and he goes i've got people stealing stuff out of a house i'm remodeling and he goes i'm gonna hang them up high and he goes i don't want red lights uh, flashing at them yep. so they can pick up at them. Like I didn't even think about a anything one inch like that. piece of electrical exactly. Tape. And I, you know, that's the thing too, is when you've got those trail cameras out. How do you find a trail camera the easiest? 
walk through the woods in the dark and look for red lights. Yep. And and they'll if it's not the um like that what is it like the infrared, infrared. sensor or whatever yep. they have like an indicator light. Yep. Like a notification light that goes off and you're like, well, I don't want that. <laughs> right. Put that on the inside of the camera and turn that damn thing off once I close the camera. Randy Newberg had talked about this at one point where he was hunting mule deer in Arizona and he got drawn for this really like nice unit and there's this big um, water hole. Water hole. And it looks like the Super Bowl. And he said it looked yep. like the Super Bowl because he said as soon as the, the deer walked by, he goes, all these camera flashes went off around mm-hmm. this damn water That's hole. why they're talking about making them illegal out there. There's yeah. a lot of places that already have. I think Utah did that. They did. I, I could be wrong. but um, And a lot of people hate it, but they're coming out with studies where it's affecting like... It affects deer movement. It, it, they don't want to go to a certain watering hole or whatever, and that's where they need to be to get their water and... It well, interrupts a lot of big time patterns that have been around for thousands of years. Not only that, like you have states spending millions of dollars to build some of these water holes out there, <laughs> and they're you know you're setting up all these trail cams on the outside of it. And if a deer's scared to go in there, it's like the states like, well, why the hell are we spending a million to two million dollars to build these damn water holes if all the deer are going away? There's from three them? jobs out west: irrigation, <laughs> fence, cattle. <laughs> which one do you do what do you want to be when you grow up <laughs> literally like you drive out there and you see all the dude nebraska are like the greatest irrigation state of all time but a lot of people don't realize they have an underground like the aquifer yeah the uh, underground ogallala uh, something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. ogallala yeah. Yeah. yeah nice look at you so uh pretty cool stuff so um any other Tips for our um, seven positioning, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> positioning the cameras to where the deer aren't coming in facing, actually facing the camera and more so passing. Well, I screwed that up the other day, but it was kind of, it was one of those things. The camera instead of coming straight at it. I got it. Up oh, that's up. a so, good idea. So, so why? Just to not notice it or less noticeable it doesn't okay. alert the deer so okay. much all right i got gotcha. you might have to change the trail camera then i'm definitely going to change my there, trail cameras there was a uh, <laughs> so that trail coming mm-hmm. down the hill yeah well i couldn't find like some great trees to where i had like a good window yeah and i thought Man, you look over the bottom of the hill as it crests over. You get to the bottom of the hill. There's a perfect tree going straight up. And I thought, I could probably get up pretty high to where that's like up there. Mm-hmm. But they're going to walk. It was my best chance. I of, mean, you can always you can always check it out and see how yeah. it's. What'd you, you put no, it on you the, said it. Now video, i got to change it. Video, <laughs> video, right? Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just a thought. Yeah. Well, and thought. I'll make the other suggestion, too. Um if you don't have trees, well, there's two different things. If your trees are too big to put things around, because sometimes people have that issue out in the woods, or if you don't have enough small trees like in the area, or you don't have an area where you can put that up, they do make like sticks and that kind Stakes. of stuff. Stakes, yeah. Cam, uh, hope you're hearing. Uh, you need to put them in the ground Connor correctly. Yeah, you, like you. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, they they come anywhere between like Snakes six like and fifteen feet. You can get them, and oh. yeah, um, if you have the ability though, like put them closer to a tree. That way, it's still kind of disguised, so it's not like people who put them out in the middle of the, you know, open, and every deer is like, hey, there's a new tree that popped up here overnight that doesn't smell like a tree, does not look like a tree, and it's flashing at me every time I come by here. Do you want to know what I'm more excited about than anything for this deer season? What? I'm going to hunt off of a step ladder. <laughs> no jiggity joke. Oh, Jesus. So I've always thought about this. Uh, you get those CRP places where there's like ot- an autumn olive thicket is a perfect example. You're not getting in an autumn, autumn olive tree generally. You know, no. Super thick, all that, right? Those brushier areas where you just, you can get on the edge, but might need to get in the middle of that stuff or something. You know, whatever. It's just not ample trees around go by like an eight foot step ladder <laughs> dude in my opinion the smartest person in the hunting industry did a video on that and i feel like a genius now. like <laughs> but you're gonna haul i mean i guess it's no it heavier than a climber it sounds it's bad, no heavier listen, than a climber he took a strap a shoulder strap off mm-hmm. of his duffel bag and put it on that ladder and carried it miles onto public land. I mean, if, if you want to do that. Jared Prawl, the DIY oh, yeah. sportsman. Okay. That that came up in my feed, and I was like, man, maybe I'm sort of smart. They make a ladder that compresses down, too, don't they? Like, Hell, I don't know. It compresses down to nothing. Like, yeah, uh, just go get you just a, like a giant step ladder? ladder? Yeah. Not not like a not like For, a little. Do you want yeah, it's, the? It's like a step ladder, like it. It's the Lone Wolf Custom Gear ladder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Luke bought six of them yesterday. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm took I'm a, kind of excited. Even out. if I just, <laughs> even if I, uh, even if I just have an encounter with a deer in a place where you really can't sit. Yeah. The other thing I want to do too is try to play around with some swampy areas where it's like boat access, uh, kayak access. I got one I want to talk to you about when we're not recording too. Because uh, I think it's could be a doozy. I don't know. But, um, Good deal. So yeah. Any other? Anything any other thoughts? Sent off the ground and away from exactly where they're going to be. Yeah. Bicycle, if you can cut, e-bike. if you can stay off of that trail that they're going to be using, yeah, like all together when you're accessing, yeah. And the other day, I didn't care because we had just ran all through right. their turkey hunting and everything. But yeah. that's that is going to be once you get closer to season. It's just that's the minor details that sure make the difference from one guy to the next as yep. far as killing. Big deer. The other thing I'll add to this is kind of a rookie thing, but I think plenty of rookies hunt and listen mm-hmm. and all that. Point your cameras north and south if you can help it. Yep. yep. There's nothing, and I've had this, and it will it will happen. You've got your camera in a westerly direction or an easterly direction. 
you're looking at a deer and he looks good and you're trying to figure it out and the sun is destroying your face as you're trying to I like the point yeah. north yeah more than more so than yeah. any other direction if you've got that option that is like i mean and that's again kind of camera 101 but i mean a lot of people don't know that and i learned the rough way i had two big ones come in and i'm like i can't count points i can't try to age anything. No, I, I got know. nothing another thing though if if you are putting them higher and angling them down, yeah, you shouldn't have that problem yeah. so much. Yeah, that helps tremendously. So, um, trying to think if there's anything we're really leaving out. Um, if you haven't got your mineral out yet, get it out. That way you can only be like seven months late. Um, it's not going to make so much of a difference I don't think for antler growth as it will I don't know how much it makes yeah period yeah I mean I'm a firm believer that you can probably help a deer's health and help him when he's in the womb oh I think it starts with lactating does yeah Um, but I don't and I I also would say that maybe you can help here's the deal are you taking a deer that's going to normally be 130 and turn him into a 180? No. If you believe that, well, I got a bridge to sell you in California. They'll put they'll put a picture of you on the front of the Lucky Bucks bucket. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Dude comes in with a bunch of like 200 inch deer, and I'm like, at first I'm like, wow, and then being into taxidermy a little bit, I'm looking and I'm like. Are those replicas? <laughs> they were replica deer. And I'm like, really? So, so let me get this straight. You traveling around with giant replica deer? You don't even have the deer. So how do I even know that those were fair chase or real deer at all? Those, I mean, those could be any. Those literally could be cast from any deer in the world. If they're a replica, so which I don't mean to hate on replicas. I'm a replica guy when it comes to fish. I get made fun of for it a lot. Uh, <laughs> I don't but, think there's anything wrong with replica fish. But, um, yeah, I, I think mineral uh, helps. You, you'll notice, too, like when I put cameras out here, um, they'll hit it decently, but I'll have more lactating does. You go out east to hill country. Yeah. Dude, they'll they'll dig to China for that stuff. They just don't have in the soil out there what they have here. Clearly, it's insane. And the fact that they're digging the holes that they do there, kind of scary, right? <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, I think we pretty much covered the yeah the trail cam thing. I can't I can't say it enough. Put your trail camera out there and let it soak for a few weeks. And if you feel like you need to check it, check it. Adjust and stay the hell out. Probably the best of us. That's not going to work for everybody in every situation. Right. But I think it's a hell of a rule to follow. Right. So, um, all right. Well, here is where Rick tells you to take <laughs> a kid, somebody hunting and fishing. <laughs> somebody hunting and fishing. Thanks, Luke. Um, <laughs> I had to do that for I, him. I know. Since we picked on um, him about his $1,700 tree stand. Yeah. I, uh, I do have two other ones that I think are pretty important. 
if you don't already have your bow uh, taken to your local shop or if you're huh. doing it yourself, get it tuned up. Start- get your strings August 15th. <laughs> <laughs> um, bow shops hate that. They really, oh, really yeah. don't like that. Uh, start now. Get it tuned up. Get I whatever you need for it. Restrung and tune. I leave next week. Get for it done, Colorado. <laughs> Get it done. Uh, by the way, Chris, I need arrows. Okay. Um, also, uh, just as kind of a thing to put in a bug in everybody's ear, we're finally starting to see ammo on shelves. Don't be a. D- um, <laughs> um, you know. The guys who are working the ammo counters at most of these stores, if they could sell you all the ammo they want, um, they would. They can only sell you one to two boxes right now. Don't be a jerk about it. Oh, okay. Like, just go in, get your boxes of ammo. If you're that hell-bent on buying 60 boxes of 9mm, walk out, you know, 30 times. But those those people who are working there... They're doing their job. They're doing it the best they can, and they got to follow the rules that they've got because we've created an ammo shortage. So just be mindful of these things when you're going in and dealing with the you know these people in the sporting goods stores because remember they also sell you the things that you want to buy from them. So that's all I got. All right. How about you, Pierce? <clears throat> we covered it all. All right. I think we got it. Now this this is concluder time. You got to conclude with something. <laughs> Stay out of your spots as much as you can. There you go. Perfect. All right. Well, that was mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, let's think about this. Let's. I'm. I'm generally the guy that goes deep here. Deep thoughts with Jack Handy. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> um. I'm gonna say, man. I probably should have thought about this before I said concluders, huh? Yeah. Um, no, I, <laughs> you know, to touch on, touch on what Rick said a little bit, he's talking about, you know, get your bows strung up and, and tuned and everything. Um, don't buy into the gimmicky stuff. I had a gentleman contact me today asking about, um, how I spine my arrows and, you know, to be clear, I'm not Luke. I'm not the greatest archer in the world or even in the state of Ohio. Um, I've never done that competing in my life. I've never spined arrows. Uh, I don't believe that the majority of people are good enough to see it. It would be like me using a Pro V1 golf ball. It's the same as me using a noodle or whatever. Top flight. I'll never see that. I think there are guys that can see it. Um, If you're having troubles with your arrows grouping well, let's say you have six arrows and three or four are flying right together and you got a couple of flyers. Now, keep in mind, first off, shoot like three arrow groups, especially if you're the guy that gets your bow out in July, August, September, and start shooting. Uh, Your muscles aren't built up enough yet and – the more arrows in a group you shoot, the more fatigued you get and the quicker you fatigue. Mm-hmm. So shoot two or three arrows to start off, build up to four or five. But if you have a couple of flyers and you know it's not you that are that's doing it, 
um, you can take, and this is why we like to shoot for fletch, not just because of the stability, but it gives you options. You can do what's called knock tuning, where you stick the arrow <clears throat> on the string, you knock your arrow, and then let's say you have, uh, you know, let's say you got a four fletch arrow, and the one that points up to the top is, you know, the way it is, and that's the arrow that's not hitting. Turn it one fletching to the right or the left, and see how it flies then. And if it gets better and is grouping, well, leave it. If not, keep turning it to each fletching. And if that doesn't work, go in between the fletchings. More than likely, I'm not going to, this isn't like a guaranteed science, but more often than not, if it's not you and it's not in your setup, you can knock tune that arrow to fly like a damn bullet. Nice. So, just a little tidbit I thought of. So, good deal. Okay, Dan. Well, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Gates and Chris Leppert. And this evening, we've been joined by the one and only Pierce Moore. So, thanks for joining us again, Pierce. Thanks for having me on. Two I weeks checked. in a row. And, uh, well, I guess three weeks because we took a week off. Huh? 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 What? <laughs> and, uh, guys, we'll talk to you later. Bye. See you. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.